Would you turn, please, in the scriptures this morning to 1 Thessalonians, 4th chapter. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 9. As touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. You increase more and more in what? In this brotherly love. Now, I think brotherly love has a religious connotation to folks. But why does he keep using that qualifier? Well, you know, in the Old Testament they were told, love your neighbor as yourself. But in the New Covenant, what did Jesus tell us? In fact, just turn back there and look at it. John 13. Just turn and look at it. John 13. Let's look at the New Testament commandment. John 13. 34. John 13. 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love, now let's just stop right here. Had they been told to love each other in the Old Testament? Well, then why is this new? So that's why John says in the epistle of John, a new commandment I give to you. Then he said, it's the old commandment that you heard from the beginning, and yet it's new. Well, so we're loving each other's loving each other. No, no. Once you've been born again, you got the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And you can go beyond just loving somebody as yourself. You can actually love them to the point that you're willing to sacrifice yourself. That was two nods and a yes. This is Christianity. What is the law of Christ that's mentioned in Galatians? He said, bear ye one another's burdens. Not just your own burden, somebody else's burden. See the ugly selfishness that the world is full of is described in the beginning. When Cain, you know, before he killed, well, when he killed his brother and he was asked about it, what did he say? Am I my brother's keeper? Huh? Am I supposed to keep up with him? Well, he'd have been better off if you just left him alone. (laughs) Forget helping him. Just leave him alone. And uh, that is the ugly, ugly, devilish, Satanish, selfishness. It's not my problem. Hey, every man for himself. You know, do you take care of yours? I'll take care of mine. No, the real Christian is willing to take a burden that is not their own. And not just carry it, but use their faith to get it over on the Lord. Huh? And use their faith and resources to help get burdens off of people. Now, if you've been involved in this in any degree, you know what a joy it is 
for the Lord to use you. Let's say somebody's in financial straits and pressure and God deal with you to go and pay some stuff off and get it off of them and see the relief. Man, that's a blessing. You get to participate in God meeting people's needs. And participate in the manifestation of the anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. But you have to be interested in other people's life besides your own and other people's stuff and dealings. People tend to want to just keep to their self. And if everything's okay in my life, well, you know, just kind of pretend that you're not aware of other people's lives because, hey, this, the world's a big place and everybody's always needing something and I can't fix everything. So I'll just stay to myself and if I've got a pretty decent life, then praise the Lord. Let's just live to ourselves. Well, there are numerous problems with that. One is that one day you're going to need some help. I said, don't speak that over me. I didn't say you had to go around confessing it, but it's just a fact. Whether it's for yourself or people you're hooked up with or things that you're involved with, you are going to need some assistance in faith. You're going to want some people that will hook with you even though it's not their problem. Come on now. People that will get involved in what God's telling you to do, even though it's not their ministry. Hmm? How many thank God for these people that sow from other countries and other states and other nations and other continents? I mean, every weekend, I tell you, somebody sowed to the children's building, you know, over the internet. Somebody sows to the youth. Somebody sows to the aircraft. They don't live here. They're not getting to use this building. Most of the meetings that that aircraft involved getting to, they're not getting to them either. What are they doing? They believe in you. They believe in me. They believe in us. They want to be a part of it. They're investing. And they're smart too because we'll believe with them. Right? They, this is not a dead seed and it's not dead ground. And when they sow it, it is not the end of it. We won't have it any other way until they get a full harvest. Come back on them. Is that right? That's right. That's right. That's right. But uh, many, I know many of these, many churches and many ministries have sown into us in things that we're believing for. Well, it's not their ministry per se. They got their own projects. They got their own thing. Why would they, you know, sow into us? Well, if you never are interested in another man's work, then God does not have a right to deal with people to be interested in yours. You got no seed in the ground. And that's not just true with ministry, it's true with life. If you only care about you and yours and your life and your bills and what you need, you're not a sower. You're looking for what you can get. And if you got you and yours done and paid for and your kids are fed and you got their college money and you got their stuff and your mortgage is paid, then hey, praise the Lord. I can retire and just try to live in my little world. And I hear about some stuff and go, isn't that bad? And try to forget about it just as soon as I can and fish. (laughs) 
Well, you're not supposed to go around depressed night and day because of all the needs in the world. And you could liquidate everything you are and everything you have. You could give all of your goods to the poor and your body to be burned. If it helped anybody and it would barely make a dent in the needs of the world. I said, that's what I know. That's why I don't do anything. No, wrong. <laughs> wrong. You can do something. You can do your part. What is your part? Well, it's what the Lord directs you to do. It's where he hooks you up and who he hooks you up with at the proper time in life. And he'll give you resources and he'll show you. But you will not hear direction unless you are open and interested in somebody else's life besides your own. You got to be open to it. You got to have an ear open. You got to be willing to get your hands dirty with somebody else's problem. You got to be willing to let your time be involved and affected with somebody else's need. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So they were told, love your neighbor, how? As yourself. How? As. As. Be willing to treat them as good as you would yourself. Hmm? Be willing to do for them what you'd like somebody to do for you. As. Somebody say as. As. Okay, now what's this though? This is a change. John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as yourself. No. How? As I have loved you as who has loved us as Jesus himself has loved us that you also love one another now he's looking at them he's looking at the disciples and he understands that he's talking about Peter you love John John you love Matthew etc etc how you love each other they were brothers as I have loved you. And he called them brothers. And hence the term in the New Testament. Brotherly love. As opposed to neighborly love. Are you with me on this? You see this. Is this a higher level of love? Did Jesus love us as himself? I'm about to slow down and go over this again. Am I not? I said, did Jesus love us as himself? He loved us beyond that. He loved us to the point of sacrificing himself for us. Willing to die so we could live. Willing to be punished so we could be free. That's beyond as yourself. Hmm? That's beyond saying, you know... Well, I want you to be doing as good as me when you say, I'm willing to be deprived so you can do good. I'll pay the price so you can. That is the love that's been shed abroad in your and my heart. Now, you can get religious about it, and you can see the perverted religious version of it is always accompanied by depression. Hmm? People go, well, I just will give up my life for the Lord. I'll just, I'll sacrifice. 
I'll let you have it. I'll do it. No, you ain't got it, brother. No. No. Paul said, I will gladly. Somebody say gladly. Gladly. Now, that's a key word. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Even though the more I love you, the less you love me. I'll do it how? Not suffering for Jesus. I guess I'll do it if I have to. I'll give it up for Jesus. Now I'm not just trying to make fun. How many know you hear the tones of depression? There is no depression in God. And when there's tones of self-sacrifice, then you don't. You don't get it. And that's what 1 Corinthians 13 was talking about. You can give all your goods to the poor and you can give your body to be burned. And if it's not in love, somebody said, what do you mean? How could they do it and it not be real love? You can. You can give everything you got and it not be real love and not be pleasing to God. You can sacrifice yourself and it not be real love. Well, what would it be? It'd be this religious depressed junk. Which is a form of spiritual pride. That you're so much more spiritual than everybody else. That you're going to lay down my life. Kind of give them a profile shot. He, he's just like Jesus. Look at him. He's going to lay down his life. For the brethren, you go, that's right. And make sure everybody knows it now. <laughs> you can do that and it profit nothing. Jesus, the Bible said, for the joy that was set before him. Come on, say joy, say joy, say joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He set his face like flint and he went through it and he despised the shame for the joy. Paul said, gladly, gladly. So everybody said out loud, I, I, like my master before me, me, am willing willing, and I will gladly gladly spend spend and be spent, gladly. For others. Why? So they can benefit. So they can be free. So they can be relieved. And if you really love a person. It makes you happy. When they get free. Right? Even if it costs you. People act like. Well you know dying. Be the worst thing in the world. Could happen to you. No it's not. No, if you could die saving a bunch of people. And you know, as soon as you get out of your body, you're going to your mansion. And you know, that sacrifice relieved people's pain and got their needs met. You're not blinking eye. You say, yeah, here I am. Let's do it. Jesus did. I said, Jesus did. But now that's done. I can't pay for that price. It's already paid. Right. You can't. There's no need to. No need to. But 
There is the living sacrifice. Right? And there are things you and I can do on a regular basis. It might cut into your time. It might cut into your resources. But there are things you can do that will help other people. It will cost you. But it will help them. And you ought to be glad. Somebody say glad. glad. You ought to be glad to do it. Knowing that anything you do like that is a seed. And what happens when you sow a seed? It's going to come back many fold. And now you're going to have more ability to help more people. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. I know Phyllis and I first started out to serve the Lord. Didn't know anybody in ministry. Nobody knew us. No experience. No money. No, but we started out doing what we could to help people. And now... It's happening globally. Thank you, Lord. Same thing happened to you. Well, I'm not called to preach. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. All you got to be is willing. Willing to sacrifice your schedule. Hmm? Sacrifice some hobby time or, or business time, whatever it is, and do what needs to be done to help somebody and sow that seed and think beyond yourself and believe beyond yourself. And God can add to you, add to you, add to you and increase you, loosen you up from some of the things that you think you got to do all day long and free you up and give you resources. Hmm? What if you had... 150 million sitting in the bank and everything you had was paid for and you had a jet paid for with a staff waiting on you. And all you had to do was get up in the morning and pray and say, Lord, what can I do for you today? What do you need? He says, I want you to get in that plane and fly over to Maine. And visit some of my folk and encourage them and pay off their church building. And you say, glad to do it, Lord. Call your pilot and say, get the plane ready. You're not a preacher. You don't pastor a church. Could God use a bunch of folks like that? How many do you think he could use? Or fly over here, uh, you know, a brother, sister, a minister, whoever is dealing with a real issue and they're dealing with marital problems or dealing with physical problems and they just are weary. And I want you to go there and stay a month with them and buy them new clothes and buy food for them and uh, encourage them every day and pump them up in faith and say, come on, we're going to stay with this till we get it. We're going to believe God. It's going to be okay. We're going to overcome. But you stay there. And so I can't, I got to go to work. Not with 150 million cash sitting in the bank and, and uh, all your stuff's paid for. And, huh? I said, well, Brother Keith, that's just what? Why couldn't it be? Huh? What Phyllis and I are doing right now. For a couple of young folks, you know, from uh, Mississippi and, and didn't know anybody that had a lot of money or connections and no education and, you know, God can use anybody, anywhere, anytime. All you got to do is say, here am I. Send me 
I'm willing to lay anything down for you. I'm willing to believe big and think big. I'm willing to let you use me any way that you want to. So I got a business to run. You could have 10 businesses to run and you never have to be there. With 30 top people to watch it for you. And them be blessed with what they have and what you're paying them. Now this is not just Brother Keith carrying on. It is the will of God to raise up some strong people in this church that have ability financially and have freedom of time and are willing to do some things. That wasn't strong enough. There's some people in here, it affects everybody, but there's particularly some folks, you ought to be on the inside of you jumping up and down because God is talking to you. He's talking to you. You know, Phyllis and I hadn't been in the ministry that long. What was it, about 15 years or so? And uh, the Lord had dealt with us to go. We had been involved with the Hagans, but to follow them at our own expense and to go with them. But we got our, you know, we got meetings. We got things we need to be doing too. But he, by that time, he had blessed us enough financially we could do that put us in a good position we could show up we weren't a burden to them and we could stay there weeks at a time are y'all with me now and we could be available to assist and do things money gives you freedom doesn't it it gives you ability how many times how many times have I heard people say "I, I can't do that I can't go to that meeting I can't be involved why why? What was the bottom line? Money. Hotel bill. Airfare. Food. Meals. Got to stay in work. Pay the bills. Hmm? Is God limited to that? Are we sure that that is his complete will for your life? And not be available and be constricted and be limited because you have to do this all the time because everything's so tight. Is that the will of God? No. Well, then let's believe to the perfect will of God. Yes. Yes. Let's get it changed. Yes. Yes. Hmm? Yes. And he liberated us to where I don't even think about money when it comes to doing meetings. It is not even a factor to me. Glory to God. So what do you mean? I go to churches that have 10, 20,000. I go to churches that's got 50. Huh? I travel the same way to both of them. Stay in hotels the same way. Have cars the same way. Why? We pay for our own. Don't have to ask anybody for anything. Never tell anybody about a budget. Ever. As far as they're concerned, there is no budget. Well, how much are they going to give you? What if that church don't give you enough to pay for your fuel? I don't even think like that. I don't work for them. They don't pay my bills. Right? 
But what about the people's giving in the church? I don't work for you. And you're not the source of the church. I think you can see that. God's bringing money from other countries. He's bringing money from all over the world. And he will not just do that for this church. He will do that for you. For you. For you. If you can break out of the little thinking. Break out of the little narrow constricted life. And think big. Said out loud, God can use me in bigger ways. I'm willing to think bigger. I'm willing to live a different life. You know, uh, that's one of the great things about these aircraft. They give you such freedom, such flexibility. Uh, you know, there are several situations where there are only flights uh, during the middle of the week or at night. And if you do it according to their schedule, I wouldn't be here for the services here. I couldn't be do both things. And something that uh, the Lord told Brother Copeland when he was believing for that international plane, he said, uh, if I want to tell you to be in China tomorrow morning, I don't want you to have to ask anybody, can I go? And I was talking with uh, Kelly, you know, he and Patty down in the South Pacific, thinking, you know, we're in a new era. We're in a new generation of freedom. The time is short. We need the tools and we need the freedom. But the missionaries that I've read about from decades and even centuries past that were ministering in these areas like they are, I never heard of any of them having their own ship. Have you? I mean, I remember reading about people that believed God for months to get the fare, to buy a ticket, to go on somebody else, but to have your own ship. And it was unheard of a few years ago that any kind of church or ministry would have its own aircraft, much less a jet. But I'm telling you, we're the kingdom of God. Why shouldn't we have? The biggest resources, the best resources, and why can't you as an individual have money and tools and resources and houses on both coasts? Come on now. And money and ability for God to talk to you. Someone says, well, God never told me to get up and go over so and so. Well, could you do it if he did? Not today, most of you. See, you got to think that way and believe to get there so when he tells you, you can do it. Well, he never talked to me about anything like that because you hadn't been open to it. You just have to start thinking that way first and expanding and open. You know, lay across the bed and dream with God. What do you mean? Just ask him. I challenge you. This afternoon, tonight, middle of the week, next week, lay across the bed and get quiet with nothing else, nobody around and say, God, what could you use me to do? What could you do with me? What would please you? And you'll find out if you'll lay there and listen, he's got some big ideas. Big, big And it involves you being free. You being able 
you being empowered. Yes. You having resources and yes. time and ability. Yes. Health in your body. Yes. Right? Yes. Strength to be able to do it. Yes. Money in your accounts to be able to do it. Yes. Right? Equipment and favor and open doors. Yes. It involves all that. And you never have to stand behind a pulpit to do it. Can you say amen? Am I still talking about love? I am. That's what love wants to do with you. And that's what love wants to do through you and manifest that love. I've had people do things like that with me. I've had God allow me to do things like that with other people. Somebody to show up. And you know they got stuff of their own. You know they're busy. You know they got needs they're on their believing for. And they just show up and take care of you. And... You know, shower you with blessings and with resources. Man, it feels like God himself just came and put his arms around you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I was down uh, Brother Happy Caldwell's place this past week. And uh, I asked him toward the end of the week, I said, was his airplane doing good? You know, was it uh, doing what they wanted to do? He just sat back and tears came in his eyes. He said, Brother Keith, he said, I'm just looking for somewhere to go. He said, he said, when I get back in that plane, I sit down in there. Of course, it's paid for. And in top shape, top shape. And he said, Brother Keith, it feels like the Lord just puts his arms around me. Every time I sit down in that chair, he tells me he loves me. Well, that's got to be good for his ministry and his, and his church. And, and you and I got to be a part of that. Well, we can do things like that over and over and over and over and over, right? And bigger and greater and more and further. Because now think about this. Somebody said, well, you know, why is it all that important for that preacher to be able to enjoy that? If he is full of that... What do you think is going to come out of him and through him to the people? All right, you take another fella, another fella who feels like he's given up everything for Jesus and life is hard and he don't know why the Lord won't help him and he's struggling and he's walking to his meetings and he can't pay his bills. Well, when he gets up to preach, that's what he's full of. What do you think is going to come out of him? He may try to hide it a little bit, but it's going to come out. Out of the abundance of your heart, if life is bitter to you, and you wonder why God won't help you, that's what you're going to preach and teach, whether you mean to or not. Oh, can you see this? We're still talking about love. God's ministering His love to you. You're going to be full of love. And when you open your mouth, love's going to come out of you. And when you minister to people and they get full of love, what are they going to go out of the church house and do at their job and at their home? They're going to be full of love. And it's going to come out of them. And the world's a better place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. And that was not in my notes. But that's all right, isn't it? That's all, that's all right. Can you take some more or you want to just 
Come back next week and we'll. How much more you want today? I think you can take a little more. I can at least introduce this. Uh, we've been talking about the love of God. And our text describes that you are taught of God to love one another in this brotherly love he's talking about. Everybody say taught of God. Now say it like this. I I am taught of God God to keep the command. command. You know what command I'm talking about. The one we read in John 13. The love commandment. He didn't just give it to us and say do it. He personally teaches us. God himself personally is teaching us and you and I are hooking our faith up with this during this time in the church. We are believing God as a church family that God is teaching us and we are learning how to apply and keep the love command, how to love one another as he has loved us. Now, if you weren't with us, we... uh, uh, Tapes and CDs, that kind of thing are available. You can download it free online. But we've already gone through a couple of things. And number one, we said how to love each other. Love does what? Anybody has any notes? Love prefers. Prefers. The Bible said that we are to esteem one another better than ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that you really believe You're better than me. I'm less than you. He didn't say to do that. What did he say? Esteem. And then you look at the other scriptures. Treat. Treat people like they're better than you. Not as good as you. Like they're better than you. Can you do that? Without feeling inferior. Yes. Yes, you can. Jesus. Perfect example of it. He knelt down and laid aside his outer garments. And took on the garb of a slave. And washed his disciples feet. Like a slave would do. Is it because he believes he is inferior to them? No, he does not. But is he treating them as though they were better than him? He is. And he said, if I did this, you ought to do it to one another. Can you treat other people, including your own spouse, your own family? That was weak. Can you treat people As though they are better than you. Yes Yes, you can. And that's what love does. Love does that. Love prefers. You know. Chicken or beef. Coffee or tea. You or me. You got to pick one. And if you pick. If I pick you. Then I get left back. Right. I'm not picking me. I'm going to pick you. I'm going to defer to you. I'm going to prefer you. Of course you do that. God's going to take care of you. What else does love do? We talked about this last week. Love does no harm to whoever's around, whoever near, neighbor, whoever you are around. Love does no harm. Now, in order to walk in this, you've got to be aware of your words and actions, their effect on people that are around you. Somebody says, I know it. I've been trying to tell them. They don't realize how I show up. No. You missed it. (laughs) We're talking about you being aware of your words and your actions affect on other people. 
So many people violate the love command and only realize it after it's happened. They just blare into situations and don't raise your hand. But how many of you have said something and after you said it, you thought, oh, because it brought up something that didn't need to be brought up. And now this person feels bad. It makes them look bad. Hmm. Well, you violated the love command. And it was because your mouth is uh, running and your mind's not in gear. You're not supposed to talk and then think about what you said. Now, that's how most people operate. But it is not what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible says the righteous, this is in Proverbs, the righteous studieth to answer. Hmm? The foolish, you know, just opens her mouth and pours out wicked and foolish things. And the proverb also says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. So if you're just talking, 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 then you're going to be sinning, 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 sinning. And the only way to fix it is to think before you speak. I know this is a new concept. To millions of people, I know that. But let's just try it. Say it one time, real slow. Think. Think. Now here's the key. Before, Before you, speak. you speak. Now, if you practice this, you're gonna be a lot quieter. Because other people's doing this, and you're thinking about, okay, now if I say this, well, it'll sound like this. How will they take that? Well, they know that's what I mean. I better not say it like that. And you're thinking this, and then they go, bye, we'll see you. And you go, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> well, I didn't get to say it. Yeah, and you didn't sin either. Oh, boy. <laughs> Have I digressed, or am I talking about love? I mean... People being hurt by words is one of the biggest violations of the love commandment every day. People say, well, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Absolutely not true. The Bible said words can be like arrows. They can be like deadly weapons that pierce or the tongue of the wise can bring healing. But if you're going to speak words that are full of life, And words that bring healing and comfort and peace. It won't just be because you blab all the time. It will be because you thought about it and you checked your heart. And the Lord gave you this to say. And you thought, yeah. And you don't have to go, wait a minute, I got a word from the Lord. I got a word. I got a a word. (laughs) Don't be so dramatic. And you don't have to preface everything with thus saith the Lord. You can just be quiet till you see what to say. Right? And then in a very normal, sane way, you can say it, and it needs no fanfare. If it really is good words, you'll see the effect of it. It'll help people. Instead of hurt them, it'll bless them. It'll encourage them. Instead of discourage them. Make them feel better. Instead of feel worse. But what do you got to do in order to operate that way? Come on, help me out now. What do you got to do? You have to think 
before you speak. Now it's not just what am I going to say, but wisdom says how will they hear it? How will it affect them? I, oh, I thank God. I was somewhere the other day, and I'd been traveling, and you know, and I'm just sitting down, and something came up. I started to say something, and the Spirit of God brought to my mind, now, if you say that, it's going to remind them of this, and it's going to put a damper on the whole thing. I thought, thank you, Lord. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Hmm? But what if you just run your mouth and don't think and don't check? Somebody say, check it first. If you don't check it first, then once it's out, it's like an arrow that has left the string. You can't get it back. Right? It's out there. Love does no harm. I said, love does no harm. Here's number three, and I'm just going to be able to introduce them. I'm not going to try to get into it too much today. But here's number three, and... Um, We'll advance it, develop it as the Lord helps us. Number one, love prefers. Number two, love does no harm. Number three, love covers. Somebody say covers. Love covers. What is the opposite of covering? Uncovering. Exposing. Revealing. Let me read some scriptures to you. First Peter, the fourth chapter and the eighth verse. First Peter 4, 8. Above all things have fervent love among yourselves. Love shall cover the multitude of sins. Say it out loud. Love covers. Love. Say it again. Love. love covers. Proverbs 17, 9. Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Let me read that again. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And when we say cover something, we are not talking about a lying, deceiving cover up. You don't lie for anybody. Not your own family. Not your own kids. Not your own spouse. I don't care who asks you to. You lie for no one. Are you with me now? Because people will try to tell you, well, if you love me, you'll help me with this and you'll tell them this. If they loved you at all, they would not have asked you to do such a thing. No. Do not compromise your own integrity. Now, the reason I say it is because the world is so mixed up about this stuff. Whether you think this is right or not, don't take my word for it. Search the scriptures. Search it. Get this settled. This is such a huge part of who you are and who you will ever be. I want to say it again. You never lie for anybody. You don't lie to save your life. Are you with me now? You don't lie to save anybody. You believe God to save. You don't lie. So no, we're not talking about lying and covering up stuff. But how many know you don't have to lie to cover something? 
and just not talk about it and not make a deal out of it, not bring it up, right? I think the perfect example of this is what happened with Noah after the great flood. The Bible said he planted a vineyard and made him some wine and drank so much that he got so drunk that he was in his tent and he's passed out naked, unclothed. And one of his sons came in there and saw him. And what did he do? He went out and told everybody, daddy is laying in the tent naked, passed out drunk. Is that love? Now come on, let's examine this. How could that be love for your father? That's not love for a person to tell that. Why would you tell it? Because you know something nobody else knows. Because this is uh, something different. don't happen every day. This is something. Daddy, not Noah. Noah found favor with God. Noah's the leader of the only people that got saved from the flood. Noah's righteous. Well, he's drunk now. <laughs> and he's passed out naked in the tent. I saw him. This is big news. I said, this is big news. And his son had the exclusive. And was first with the report. And the public has a right to know. And that's just... You know, he was the first reporter. And that was his job. And people have a right to know. And that's not a scripture. People have a right to know is not in here. It's not Christian. It is not God. It is not right. If you love somebody, you won't lie for them. But nor will you publish their mistakes. And it's obvious this boy is not loving his father. He's exposing his problems. And his other sons, remember what they did? They came in there and they took a garment. And they put it over their shoulders. I guess it was four of them. And they backed. Somebody say backed. They backed into the tent. How'd they find him? I don't know. Maybe they felt with their foot. Oh, there. Yeah, I think that's, that's him. Keep coming. Keep coming. Yeah, I think we got him now. Okay, lower. So they lowered the garment and covered him. And then they walked out. They did not see his nakedness. They did not look on him in his current condition. Oh, come on. Do you see this? This is love, isn't it? This is caring about somebody. You don't look on them when they're down. You don't exploit it. You cover it. They're not lying about it. But they are covering it. They covered it. Covered it. Somebody say covered with love. This is the nature of our Father. This is what He has done with us. And our mistakes. And our failures. And our sins. Somebody say love. Love. Covers. Covers. Love covers the multitude of sins. James 5, 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth. 
and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. What's the will of God? The will of God is for the worst, most notorious sinner to be saved, cleansed, and their sins not remembered throughout eternity. Maybe on the earth they were known as the worst, you know, murderer, the worst hit man, the worst, most based sexual deviant, liar, thief. They had a reputation in their generation. The country knew it. The world knew it. Yeah, this is just for a flicker in time. No. And God's will is that that person, that man or woman be saved, be cleansed. And in the ages to come, nobody ever know about it. Nobody ever remember it. You meet them in heaven and maybe on the earth they were public enemy number one. But in heaven they're just brother so and so. And nobody sees or knows about it. That's what love does. I said that's what love does. Phyllis in my heart concerning this church. The Lord has spoken to us more than once about this. That this is a church where God brings people for additional opportunities. People that have messed up their life. People that are basket cases and they've ruined families and they've ruined ministries and they've messed up things. But don't you have a desire that if people don't know where to go and they got nowhere to go, they could come here. And if they've really repented, we wouldn't bring it up against them. And we'd love them and believe with them and they can get restored and they can get renewed And if God sees them clean, why can't we see them clean? If he's not going to remember it, why should we remember it? Huh? If they're straight with him, why shouldn't they be good with us? Oh, can you see this? Everybody said out loud, this is such a place. This is a place where people can come and not be judged. Be loved. A place where people can come. And start fresh. Start new. Start over. And go on. And be free. This is a place. And you are these kind of people. And we are these kind of people. Go to Hebrews please. I think I can close with this. Hebrews. Oh, the Lord is good to us. Isn't he good to us? Hebrews 10. Oh, thank you, Master. He has helped us this morning, hasn't he? Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews 10 and verse 16. 10, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Glory to God. The new living says, I will never again remember their sins. 
and lawless deeds. Say that out loud. I will never again remember their sins. Say it out loud three times. Close your eyes. I will never again remember their sins. Say it again. I will never again remember their sins. One more time. I will never again remember their sins. Can you take that word for yourself? Can you believe that? Yes, you can. Now, if he has loved you and me this way, and he has forgiven us this way, and our, my sins, your sins, he remembers no more, why can't we do that with each other? Can we forgive each other as he has forgiven us? Can we love each other as he has loved us? And that includes not remembering. Somebody said not remembering. It's a choice. Now see, people try to say, well, I can't help but remember. It's a choice. It's a choice. God's not forgetful in the fact that he can't remember. Hmm? He just chooses to no longer remember that. And you and I are made in his likeness and image, and we can do the same thing by his grace and help. Oh, things might try to come up. It might try to come up. But the moment it does, you grab it down and you say, no, I refuse to remember their sins. Cast it, I refuse to. And if you have to say it five times in a day, you do. And let me say this. There are people who try to twist these things for their own benefit and they are unrepentant. Hmm? They have not repented. And yet they don't want you to say anything about what they're doing. Why? Because I said I'm sorry. Well, just because you said you're sorry don't mean you repented. Well, I went to the altar and cried. That don't mean you repented either. (laughs) What does repent mean? Repent means change. It's like a 180 degree thing. You change from one thing to another thing. You're going in one direction and you change and go in the other direction. You change. So there are people who go, no, 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 you're not supposed to talk to me about that. You're supposed to love me. Friend, if it has not been dealt with, it is not in the past. It's in the present. Hmm? You understand what I'm saying? And it needs to be dealt with. Sticking your head in the sand, pretending nothing's happening, pretending nothing's going on is not what he's talking about here. But a man, a woman that has genuinely repented, genuinely confessed their sin and asked God to forgive them and cleanse them and by the grace of God has gotten up and determined not to go that way again and by the grace of God is going the other way, you should not bring up that past failure to them again. Are you with me now? Not even one more time. Now, it is a common thing, brothers, sisters, husband, wives, parents, children, get into a heated argument, and what happens again and again? Something gets serious, people get upset, and they get angry. What happens again and again? People start bringing up stuff from the past. Hmm? This is devilish. 
This is straight from the accuser of the brethren. Did you hear me? This is disrespectful to the blood of the Lamb. This is ignoring the Word of God. And this is a blatant violation of the love command. Are y'all with me on this or not? Somebody has repented. And God has forgiven them. And he's not going to remember their sins anymore. Listen to this. Listen to this. This in uh, Ezekiel. He said, if the wicked turn from his sins that he's committed and keep my statutes and do what's lawful and right, he shall surely live. He will not die. All his transgressions he has committed, they shall not be mentioned to him. Oh, come on. Did you hear that? Ezekiel 33, 16 says, none of his sins that he has committed shall be mentioned to him. Say that out loud. None of his sins. sins. See, the man's repented. So now what? None of those. I don't care what he did. None of them are to be mentioned. Somebody say mentioned. Mentioned. Much less talked about and rehashed for an hour. Not even mentioned. Not even referred to. Have you ever seen it? Everything's going along, you know, good. Somebody's repented. They're doing good. They're going the right way. And somebody brings up their ugly past and you see them put their head down and you, they feel bad. You made them look bad. Is that love to do that to somebody in front of somebody else or just you and them? It is not. I said it is not. God doesn't do it to you. Aren't you glad, aren't you glad that in before the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to bring up your past sins? Aren't you glad that in the ages to come, what would you think about you in heaven and Jesus is standing there and there's Moses standing there and there's David and brings up some of the dumb stuff you did on the earth. Jesus brings it up. You can't even imagine that, can you? No, Jesus wouldn't do that to me. Exactly. And so you don't do it to anybody else. Somebody said out loud, love Love covers covers the multitude of sins. sins. I do not not expose, expose, publish, publish, tell tell my brother's faults faults or past mistakes. mistakes. If they've repented, repented, God's forgiven them. I will not mention mention their sins sins again. again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.